Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to Resilience Unraveled. And in front of me, um, in front of a magnificent green screen. And in, what's magnificent about this green screen is this, it's actually a screen and guess what? It's green. I mean, you know, this is this is a level of sophistication that Brian Slade is bringing to us today. Good evening, Brian. How are you? Yep, pulling out all the stops. It's real green. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Excellent. I've never felt um, any better. He lied convincingly. Um, tell us where in the world you are, because I can detect the old colonial twang over there. Um, I'm currently in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm stationed at Nellis Air Force Base. Uh, not where I'm from, but uh, I've spent six years here, then went to Albuquerque for seven, and now I'm back. So I, it's, I'm I'm back new to Vegas, but not new to Vegas. Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, everyone has a romantic idea of Vegas, but it's far from that, isn't it? When I've been there out there, it's a very it depends strange place. On where, yeah, it depends on your experience. I mean, when it, when you live here, it's relatively like it's a normal city for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, the strip's a bit mad, isn't it? So, um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what it is that you do. So I am, I always tell people I had occupational ADD. I started as an enlisted uh, man in the Army uh, as a diesel mechanic and then transitioned, got my commission as an officer uh, and flew. And then that's where I began to fly uh, Apache helicopters. And then after, shortly after uh, a very long, arduous, deployment which is what the book chronicles i decided that i was going to transition over to the air force in, in an attempt to save my marriage wow. where they have shorter deployments and those kind of things um and i am actually still active duty and fly combat search and rescue for the air force currently and how's the marriage uh it did not it yeah. did not work <laughs> we both know it was never going to don't we uh, yeah i think that was you know as a last effort it was kind of like hey yeah. man we've this has been difficult, but let's try, let's try to, well, during that, that deployment, the first deployment was 23 months and yeah. we had been married for five months prior to that. Wow. So literally Quick. the first two and a half years, we were separated two of it. Yes. So. And of course the, the, often the thing with service personnel, it's not the fact, it's not the business, it's not the bit when you're, when you're separated, it's the problem. It's when you come back together again, because often military personnel are dealing with all sorts of potential trauma but also dealing with um having worked in a very strong sort of comradely type team and it's quite odd to go back to a routine sort of you know um, husband wife thing perhaps with children is, is that a fair characterization so sort of i we we 
my my ex-wife had had a mental disorder it's called borderline personality disorder yeah. so Ooh. it was actually fairly tumultuous during the the separation yeah. as well um in fact i kind of cover that that in ways was more traumatic than some of the things i was being asked to do with the military just because of the preparation yeah. right? i wasn't quite as prepared for that those those dynamics where uh the military does a decent job of preparing you for certain dynamics that you're going to to experience downrange so yeah it's kind of a it was kind of a weird a weird uh give and take when it came to that and then coming back yes you are 100 percent correct when we're talking about you're used to a certain regiment uh regimentation and mm -hmm. interaction that doesn't really seem to flow too well with you know a, a romantic relationship in any way yes so no, normally I have a longer chat before getting into the book, but actually I probably want to get into the book because it sounds quite interesting. So obviously you're, the book's about trauma. So had you experienced a particular form of trauma yourself before writing the book? So the reason I wrote the book was because I, I did deploy with it as an Apache driver and there was inherently crazy, intense, traumatic experiences that I was exposed to. And, and for some reason, call it good luck or bad luck, I actually ended up being exposed to many more than most people. Mm -hmm. um, and I went through that long deployment with the relationship struggles that we just, the aforementioned, right? The relationship struggles. And on the backside, honestly, I do feel like the relationship was more difficult than than even blowing people up or, yeah. uh, you, you know, all these other kind of things. But then I looked at my peers and I was like, they we all had the same stimulus different results of a, a very wide spectrum of different results and i felt like i'd actually grown from the experiences downrange mm. and become you know they they served as foundational not not uh obstacles um, so, so and, that's interesting to, to unpack that a little bit more for me so you're saying that you had the stimulus people respond in different ways let's cover that first of all and let's get then afterwards into the heart of why you think you would recover in a different way. Yeah, so that, that's really what stood out to me. I was like, why? And I started asking that question, why? Why would I um, experience growth or what I call post-traumatic stress growth, right? And, and that's actually a term that's being used now, but versus the post-traumatic stress disorder that we, we always hear about. And um, there were several reasons. I got, I got with um, some therapists, people a lot smarter than me. And kind of like tried to drill that down because I was like, well, if you, because some guys actually were on the other end of the spectrum to where they were even so devastated that they were willing to take their own lives. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's a very big spectrum for the same stimulus. And what we drilled down is that some of the things that I was doing, because we could only drill down what I was doing, right? Because yeah. I, I didn't, I couldn't go into their lives. I wasn't, I wasn't in their life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, as far as that goes, but we drilled down what I was doing and and the professionals did find some things that I was doing for other reasons that likely increased my resilience, increased my ability to see something an obstacle as an opportunity instead of uh, something that's going to be dragging me down. Right. And so those are the principles that we kind of like, you know, separate and, and, and kind of teach through the book. Yeah. So shall we, shall we unpack that a bit more? And what were those things? Well, there there were overall there were seven principles, and and some of them may not sound as as if they were you know like cosmic or anything, but they were things that that they didn't did have matter. To be, did they? 
Right, right. Yeah, you know, like like growing a healthy perspective. Okay, duh. We know that. We've heard that so many times. Like you have to have a healthy perspective, a larger perspective. But then we kind of go into the how do you do that? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you experience things that really pull you into a very myopic perspective and still maintain that macro perspective? And then uh, one of the other things that I like to talk about that people have not heard of is I practice chair flying. Um, and chair flying is a technique that they do teach us in flight school, but I actually mm-hmm. kind of developed it into a little bit more robust of a practice. And it's, I always tell people, it's like if you had meditation, visualization, and role playing, if they all had a love child, it would be the chair flying that I teach, right? Because it, it it really is a process and it helped it. I was doing it to try to save my life from physical damage, be prepared for emergency procedures within the aircraft and other type situations where we had to deal with the Taliban. And, and what I didn't know I was doing was it was a second, a secondary effect was something called uh, stress inoculation. Right? right. And, and that, that was indeed helping me to be more resilient based on the the stimulus that I was being exposed to. Uh, another one was build healthy support systems. Duh, we know that. So how do you do that? What how do you, what do you, what does that look like? Where do you go for that kind of stuff? Avoid festering emotional wounds. Um, okay, once again, duh. But what are we talking about? Rip that down a little bit more. Release hate. That's a big one that I I, I know we talk about sometimes, but we don't really talk about how. How do so you? What do, what do you mean by that? Release hate. What do you mean by hate? Well, here, there's a couple, there's a couple meanings to it, to be honest. So when we're, when you're at war, a lot of times when you have to kill another human being, it makes it very easy. I mean, it makes it easier to do if one, you dehumanize them, yeah. right? If you make them into something that they're not, they are human, whether they believe what you believe or not, they're still human. So dehumanizing is a coping mechanism and, and harboring a hate for them mm-hmm. is a coping mechanism. That's not a healthy one no. um, because that hate, but it's a common one. Is, it's a common one, isn't it? Very Not, common. Yeah. Very common. And that's the that's the what everybody reads. Release hate. That's what they think. Is this release the hate for the enemy? And I and I do mean that. But you also have to release the hate for yourself, right? Because as you start doing these things that the ugliness of war calls for, we start to paint ourselves with a brush that we're we're that ugliness too. Mm. That that's part of who we are. And inherently, I mean, what I'm trying to tell people is, look first of all the fact that you're down there doing things that other people are not willing to do does not make you an ugly person it makes you willing to take on the ugly where other in place in proxy for those that that maybe aren't as yeah. suited for it so you're not yeah. right so that you can logic it but then you know really it's it's one thing to logic through it and it's another thing to really understand that you can be in the ugly, participating in the ugly, be part of the ugly, but the ugliness is not part of you. And so how it's do you do not... that? That's like a, a dissociation technique. Yeah. How does that work? Well, I, I, I play, it plays back to one of the other principles, which is, uh, and I haven't got to this one yet, but it's define and embrace your honorable mission. Okay. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. So once we, once you've defined your honorable mission whatever the case that means and this works in war but this works in every aspect of life right what is your honorable mission and often we have to muck through certain things in pursuit of our honorable mission right Mm -hmm. and so my honorable mission downrange wasn't really you know to get osama bin laden i mean that's what i left the door thinking hey we're gonna go get osama bin laden that's what that's what that's what i that's what got me on the on the on the plane mm. 
but when you're there, you realize that your your honorable mission is to to make sure that as many of your brothers in arms, brothers and sisters in arms, make it back in back one piece, right? And you're going to do ugly things at times to make sure that that honorable mission is accomplished. Yes. Right? So it's a sort of it's a finding a meaning in the in the bizarre, I suppose, isn't it? Finding a, a cognitive path through, which which is interesting because one of the other one of the other facets is avoid festering emotional wounds, and you see right. that written down. I mean, you know, that's that's fifty three books in it's on its own, really. So I'm quite interested how you've unpacked that quite so smartly. Well, it's, you're right. I mean, each one of these can be a book by themselves and really boil. I mean, you can dissect it down to the nth degree, but um, the way I explain it to a lot of people is if you're a banker and you go to your job and you you have a transaction or something happens that's interesting and then you go home, you just talk about that. You just say, hey, today when I was at the I was at the teller and this happened, blah, 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 blah. No big deal. Right. So much harder to do when, yeah. when your job is. Today, I was flying against the Taliban and I had to blow up 12 people and I saw pieces of body go everywhere, yeah. right? But the fact still remains that your honorable mission, his honorable mission as a banker was to provide money for his family. We'll just say that. That's what yeah. his honorable mission is, right? That's enough, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And my honorable mission as an Apache driver was to make sure the ground guys made it home safely. We mm -hmm. both were engaged in our honorable mission. So why is it so much and we know why it, it yeah. just is harder to talk about that other thing but that is how you avoid the festering emotional wounds one you just talk about it as matter of fact look yeah i like the, i like the way you've i like the way you've um uh, and i suppose for men this will be very interesting because the way you've, it's quite tough language isn't it and I, I like it and it's um i mean we normally call that purpose and meaning but you've you call you know i think i think it's got quite a different spin when you call it the honorable uh, mission because hey, the mission is something, isn't it? Because it actually implies that it's not forever. It's just, it's a thing that has a start and an end, and that's important, isn't it? Because yes. part of the problem with resilience is this never-ending um, problem of you know, dr you know, relentless drudgery that you often get in real jobs. But you do, I guess you didn't have that. You had these huge moments of um, high adrenaline-filled things, and then quite a lot of time where you're on the ground doing training and such, like doing quite a lot of the mundane. So the mission is quite clever because it allows you to compartmentalize that. Is that part of the of the thinking? It is. It's 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 really saying, look, there's this is this is our our, our focal point. This is our front sight. That's what we're looking at. Yeah. Now we know that around that front sight, there's all these other things. There's all these other uglies and everything, but when we put that front sight where it needs to be, and then we line up that back sight, and then we pull that trigger, we just we just did, we just completed our honorable mission. All the other ancillary stuff, we know it's there, we know it's there, but that's where that stays there because the ugliness you're part you're in the ugliness as part of your honorable mission, but you don't have to take that home with you. Yeah. Part of it, part of it is sharing it. As I was going to say, so how do you how do you let that go? How how do you each get rid of it? You share it, I get that, but often a, a trouble it. shared is a trouble doubled, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you share it as a matter of factly as you possibly can. This right. happened today, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what what did you think about? I thought about that. What did you think about? That? I thought about that. You know, and we and there's you, you, we infused humor like crazy, and mm -hmm. and humor makes it so much easier to share. I I'm one that likes to infuse humor all, all the time. And what I realized is that was my stepping stone. 
the humor was my stepping stone to actually talking about it seriously. Yeah. Right. So we'd, we'd infuse the humor and in, in a way that's a positive, you're, you're, it's kind of doing the same thing you do when you put hate, right. You're, you're, you're coping, but it's a positive emotion for coping instead of a negative emotion for coping. And, and it's a, a lily pad, a lily pad to being able to just talk about it seriously as well. Yes. So, um, so I'm just looking down the seven, uh, just r- r- run through the chat practice chair flying a bit and for me a bit more, would you? Because, um, I heard you say that, but I'd be a bit more fascinated to hear a bit more about that, actually. Yeah, so chair flying is the one that really does stand out to a lot of people because they're like, what is it, Harry Potter? I, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and 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 quite honestly, it, 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 is a, it is an aviation technique that exists. I didn't make up the term chair flying. Now, what I did do is infuse the meditation piece and the role playing piece to add to what, what I would call what they had was basically just visualization. So you're doing a form of rehearsal. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Great. Okay. And so what I say is do your meditation first. You're controlling the environment. You have to control the environment because a lot of people will will struggle with anxiety if they're visualizing a very stressful event. So you have to control the environment through the meditation piece. So you have to create that safe space. Um, I call it fertilizing your garden because you're about to plant stuff in there that you want to grow. Right. You, you want it to grow and you want it to get strong. So for me, it's breathing exercises. I would do breathing exercises to get in the right headspace. Yeah. And then I would start to visualize an emergency procedure. I don't know if you've seen the. Did I send you the videos and all that? No. Did you get those? But you, from the but you will. So that's good. OK. Yes. <laughs> so so there's one where where my co-pilot gets shot and the engine gets shot out and then all these other things happen. Um and, and it's just a matter of seconds where I have to like react to the engine rotors going down, rotors mm. coming down. You got my co-pilot who's screaming in the background. So if you listen to it, me, first thing you're going to think is that's what he's got to deal with. And the answer is not, no, it isn't. It's number three on my list of things I got to deal with. Yeah. Right now, the yeah. ro- rotor in the background, you can hear it very, calm, you know, rotor RPM low, you know, it's all calm, rotor RPM low while he's screaming. Well, that's more important than him screaming at that moment. Yeah. And I have to reduce the collective, which is a control that makes it go up and down counterintuitively because you want to go up, but you have to do that in order to get the rotor RPM back up. Mm. And then the flight controls were also jammed at the same time. Wow. So that was the second order that I needed to deal with. He was actually the third with the screaming and yeah. they all had to happen within a one, you know, one to two seconds. It all yeah. had to happen very quickly. You don't get through that by thinking about it. No, it no. it's muscle memory, isn't it? That's yes, training, isn't it? Now, I remember someone saying that the um, the the, um, the social world, the management world, leadership world practice so they um, so they try and get it right, but the military practice so they can't get it wrong. And I think that's yeah. a that's an interesting way. I mean, obviously things go wrong, but the the likelihood and the risk reduction is is massively there, isn't it? So you know, it's the point, isn't it? The the, no, the noisy thing, the drama is not always the thing that's the most important thing to deal with. And it's often the same in business as well. So have you been training well, your colleagues? Have you been introducing these to the military? What, what's been the reaction? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, lots of uh, military first responders, but what's actually surprised me a great deal has the civilian population has really liked it as well. Mm. Because I do try to bring it into like, look, this is how it applies in your normal life. This is how it applies 
um, like I, like I just used an example of a banker or, or with chair flying when we're we're meditating and we're we're going through these emergency procedures and working till they're smooth and we're doing the role playing. Well, you can do that with a conversation with your significant other, yeah. like because we know that when we converse with our significant others, it always goes real smoothly. There's never any hiccups, right? Yes. It's always just like no hiccups whatsoever. Yes, yeah, that would never. You know, sarcasm intended. So, so what's the exactly? What's the um? What's the name of the book? Because you haven't actually mentioned that. Oh, I'm terrible. That should have That's been the right. first thing I I mentioned. It, it's Cleared Hot is the name of the book. And yeah. Cleared Hot is a directive um, that you get in the military when you're when it means you met the criteria necessary to minimize collateral damage, damage and maximize lethal force. Yes. You're cleared hot on the enemy. And the reason I picked the name for the book is I'm trying to I'm telling a war story, but I'm teaching lessons to help hopefully help people understand how to be cleared hot on their life. Yes. Move forth smartly and with purpose and understand that you have the authority to do so. Yes. Right? And do you see yourself uh, and oh just a point on this because I've just I've just bought a copy on Amazon actually. And um what I noticed is that it's actually quite a long way down the list. It's obviously a popular term, so there's a lot of other books called Clear Thought First, so you have to go to yours. So well, ours should be on the top now. It has been. I hope it's on, still there. <laughs> not on do, not on UK. You're um you've just slipped a bit. That does, doesn't matter. I'm just saying for people who are looking for it. Oh, make, you make sure they just drop a little bit further down. So yeah, it's obviously cleared hot by Lieutenant Colonel Brian L. Slade and Michael yes. Hirsch, not yes. cleared hot the Sam Archer book. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. No, we're don't not interested that. in that one. Yeah, we so we jumped right above that in the U.S. right off the bat. Have you? Yeah, it's yeah, probably well, just I, a it's probably just a positioning thing over here. Anyway, well, I've just you've just got to say on now, so that's what helps. The um, so what's the next book going to be about? What's the next book going to be about? <laughs> well, I did transition from the army to the to the air force, and now I fly combat search and rescue. And I I happened to do that at the time where um, the air force was in the, the the combat search and rescue was in the busiest time in all its history, and and still that's the. I mean, it's not anymore, but like that, that, that two year period that I, right after I crossed over is the busiest they've ever been. We were flying up to upwards of nine to 10 missions a day for casualty evacuation. Um, and so there's definitely stuff to write. If, 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 if I have a positive enough uh, feedback from this first one, I, I would call it probably green to blue, my adventures and rescue or something like that. But, but like, it's a different force. It's a different, it's a different mission set. And then there were lots of different lessons learned have been lots of different lessons learned since then. And so there's definitely material to write another book. Am I going to do it? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yes. Well, I mean, the good thing about your voice is that it's very different to other people who discuss the same subject. And whether it's the same or different or whatever, it doesn't matter. The The voice is the key, isn't it? Because you'll connect with different people in different ways. And that's and that's what's really important. So, you know, that's, I, I, I like that, that thing. Well, I always, I always say that there's, there are no new ideas. It's just how no. we package them, yeah. right? And, and that matters, though, because a different package will reach a different person. And, and, and that's, that's our journey right here on this earth is to continue to repackage information. And hopefully we reach with the good, empowering messages as many possible, as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely right. Excellent. Uh, do you have a website, Brian, that you'd like people to get in touch with us? Or do you prefer to stay, people do contact you via clearedhot.info, which do you prefer? Clearedhot.info is the website. They can go there and, and they can read in some of the principles. There's some other additional content there as well. You can actually buy the book there too. But Amazon is 
probably the easiest place to buy the book yeah. and you'll get it faster. <laughs> yeah. Well, immediately. If you, if you go through there. But but yeah, um, and then I'm on all the socials too. So if people want to follow uh and and kind of we're putting out content periodically that that supports the book or that's from the book and that kind of thing. And I'm Brian Slade at on on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm on all those things. And and that's new to me too. So mm -hmm. I, I'll send I can send you the links and you can attach it to this Please if do. you want. But uh this whole this whole social media thing has been uh, a whirlwind for me. <laughs> Uh, it's it's well, it's all gone out of fashion now. I think from the news today, Elon Musk's crashed Twitter, so that's the end of that. So that's good. That's one well, last last one to get rid today? of. I didn't even see it. Did that happen today? Oh, goodness knows. Honestly, we, we better not update this pod podcast too clearly where where we are, so we can go out whenever we want. Good, <laughs> right? So let's just be clear. So the podcast is called. Uh, sorry, the book's called Cleared Hot. Uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all the rest, no doubt. Clearedhot.info is the website, and I've been talking to um, Brian Slade, but not just Brian Slade. That's not. It's not just. I mean, they haven't done your title, have you? Come on, what's the Lieutenant Colonel Brian L. Slade? So yeah. I mean, that's a that's yeah, a significant anyway. handle there. <laughs> so um, the, the people in the people have to do what you say, really, because that that's got that's got a lot of badges or pips on or whatever it is. That say so a person with a non-military background has no idea what that that means. In no, terms they of don't. Regalia, they don't, and that's fine. I, I'd rather the the message speak with the that's power it. rather than the, rather than the rank. Brilliant, uh, Brian. It's been an absolute joy talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being. Um, um, patient with me I really appreciate it and um, I wish you all the best with that book thank you Russell and I hope you feel better yeah thanks and so much. for those of you who don't know he's practicing resilience he's oh. sick right now and pushing through this thing so <laughs> you take care okay. hi everybody I hope you found that episode useful and interesting feedback is always welcomed and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher that would be amazing if you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.